You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Well, hello listeners. It's time to keep this podcast feed alive and well. My monthly residence on 3CR has been delayed until March 27. So I thought uh, with this heat wave whacking us up here in Drummond, our water tanks down to uh, less than 20%, this question of uh, what's next privatizing this shade? Who's going to be making money out of uh, this drastic climate shift? I'm watching my fields uh, turn to dust bowls it's not good not good for anyone particularly the animals so uh, here is a replay of the 2014 show on permanomics i've been busy uh, giving presentations on community land trusts working on our next speculative vacancies report a couple of big things coming up uh, in the next few months at uh, Prosper Australia. Check out our latest uh, at the Facebook Twitter feeds for Prosper Australia or Earth Sharing. Okay, let's unpack this Georgia's economic system through the lens of uh, the permaculture principles espoused by David Holmgren. Let's go back, back in time to 2014. Welcome to this Renegade Economist Permanomics brainstorm yes i am set for paraphrasing the 12 permaculture principles that david holmgren has proposed with geonomics the earth-based economic system as defined by henry george so yes a bit of a challenge but uh, i think there's something that both sides of the equation can learn from each other and with permaculture They have the ethics of earth care, people care and fair share forming the foundation for permaculture design. These are also found in most traditional societies, says David Holmgren. Well, you can't argue much with that. And unfortunately, today's economic system really does not care for the earth. It's all about pillaging it at the greatest profit because our tax system barely captures any of the commonwealth and shares that amongst all. People care, well, we're all left... uh, running on the treadmill because there's supposedly nowhere to work. Um, unfortunately, we've lost how to use our own two hands, and that's because uh, of these big high metal fences surrounding our lands where there is more incentive to profiteer from our prime locations through the real estate game, the land game, rather than actually growing something or employing something, being involved in the productive sector. And it's the byproduct of those two elements, those two problems that undermined the fair share of the Earth's common wealth. And that's what we really need to focus on. Now, for me, I'm excited by this concept because we're marrying my two favorite concepts, permaculture and geonomics. Uh, My background in the permaculture world is through a group called Permaculture Out West. You can check them out at pow.org.au. And about 18 months ago, my beloved Rainer and I decided that the second driveway to our home could well act as a 
community-based nursery. We basically built the place using all recycled materials. We had what's called a permablitz. People came around, about 20 or 30 people, all donating their time and a lot of found objects. Um, many of these objects were stored uh, through local council, um, community gardens and so forth and were brought to our nursery and we built our nursery and then about eight or nine months later we were lucky that uh, Senator-elect Janet Rice for the Greens suggested we were a perfect candidate for a fundraising event that a local group was offering, a dinner, and we raised over $1,200 to buy a greenhouse. So, um, yeah, I, I love it because it drags me away from the computer and uh, helps me uh, formulate some of the thoughts that I drive through here on this beloved radio show on the 3CR airwaves. The first of the 12 principles in permaculture is to observe and interact. And typically this results in sitting down on your land and getting a feel for the way the wind, the way the sun, the local flora and fauna, the birds, any related animals, the lay of the land and getting a feel for how your land acts without human interaction. And it's the understanding of how nature works naturally and trying to find some synergies. That's what permaculture is about. And uh, when it comes to economics, we really struggle to observe how our place in the world is affected by the economic realities of our life and why life is such a challenge. Should it be such a challenge? Wouldn't it be easy if we could all just grow our own food and share some of our excess crop with our neighbours? But unfortunately, we have high land prices leading to high debts and that keeps us on the treadmill. Unfortunately, many of us have these wild dreams of being wealthy but really have very little understanding of how the economy actually works, how some sectors of society can make money in their sleep while others have to work two jobs and still struggle to put food on the table and feel like they are genuinely free. Principle number two, catch and store energy. This is a big one in permaculture and I love talking about economics as the art of economising, which is really the art of being lazy. And whilst permaculture isn't lazy, it should be set up so that your garden can operate with the least intervention from us dear humans. Because if we get out of the way and set up the right foundations, everything can fall into place quite nicely so that uh, a few trees are planted to block out the strong winds. The pond you, you set up for your aquaculture is in the corner where the water naturally drains. It's always been muddy. No one's ever been able to fix up that sort of area. So let's just work with the way nature operates and make the most of the unique GPS location we may be located in. So if we were to apply a, a geonomics angle, a permanomics um, angle on this principle number two, to catch and store energy, well, so much of our energy is revealed in the best communities. That's where the most energy is. And unfortunately, that's where land prices increase very quickly. And this is something that uh, permaculture 
and misses. It's very good on the micro scale, but on the macro change we need for a global upheaval of our economic system, permaculture activities encourage leakages that many are unaware even occur. Now, in terms of catching and storing energy and this energy of community, that's seen in higher land prices, seen in higher resource valuations. And in terms of uh, catching and storing it, the growth in sovereign wealth funds is something we can use as an example here. And the Alaska Permanent Trust Fund, which has over $40 billion saved up since a Republican governor established it in the mid-1970s. They share a citizen's dividend amongst every Alaskan each year based on the five-year average interest earnings. So they only distribute a share of the interest and that ensures there's something, some of this energy stored for future generations. Principle number three, obtain a yield. This is all about being productive and connecting to functionality to obtain a yield. Well, that's the most important bit as a gardener, as a permaculturalist is making sure that there is some sort of return for your time in the garden in terms of the food on your plate. One of the easiest ways to get your garden up and running is to concentrate on the herbs. And if you've observed and interacted in point one and figured out where the various zones are and sectors in your garden, usually you have your herb garden near your back door and uh, your, your most useful uh, plants right in the heart of the action where you need to get to them quickly. And so, yeah, to, to establish your rosemary, your mint, your oregano, your basil, dill, these sort of herbs uh, are very useful and it's just beautiful to be able to walk by and, and uh, pick off some, some Thai basil and have a little nibble as you're out there uh, turning your compost. So in economics, obtaining a yield, wowee, that's a big one. And yield in the earth sense looks at rent and the problem we've got in the current setting is obtaining a yield is not through the rent in the real estate market it's more through the capital gains and this is leading to a distortion between rents and prices and when that occurs the bubble phenomenon comes through and unfortunately what we're seeing is people buying properties based on expected future capital gains. That means they're paying more than what their earnings can actually justify now on the basis that in three years or so, they'll be able to sell it for a huge capital gain and that'll pay off any excess debt. Uh, what we need to do to return economics to a sense of reality is to switch taxes off our incomes, off our productive work and place it on the naturally rising value of the earth as most dramatically shown by property prices they call it a housing bubble where really houses fall apart you've heard me say that it's the location the land value that goes up and that's why a land value tax on the land value not the land price will ensure that these thousands of vacant properties we quantify every year through our speculative vacancies report will come onto the market there's just been a news report that there's 11 million empty homes in Europe. There's, I think, 18 million in America. So as the global Ponzi game grows, more and more vacancies will 
uh, occur. People will be more and more in debt, uh, whilst uh, ironically there will be thousands more homeless people. And this is the great tragedy of observe and interact and the the, the notion that economics is a dismal science is that uh, academics can't realise those two problems. Economists are, are pushing the status quo to continue and it's a um, huge, huge pressure on society. Principle number four, according to Mr David Holmgren, is apply self-regulation and accept feedback. Well, isn't that a common sense point? In permaculture, this is about looking at how your garden is behaving. Is it working effectively or is it not? In our Permaculture Out West group, we've got a YIMBY event, Yes in My Backyard, where we ask people to come around largely for a social occasion and they look at our garden with fresh eyes and see what we're doing and we can hear both the positives on what we're doing and perhaps some other alternative views on angles we hadn't thought of to improve our yield so it's great to be able to do that nobody can be wrong it's it's really a brainstorming session and there needs to be more of this going on but what about in the economics world do they apply self-regulation and accept feedback wow that is a huge issue because more and more economists are realizing that economics no longer relates to reality They've removed economic history, the wisdom of the ages from the teachings, relying on economic modelling with faulty assumptions, uh, biased by particular ideological outlooks. And yeah, I I just can't believe that uh, weathermen who used to be one of the most ridiculed professions in the world can now estimate forward some 14, even 28 days, months in advance on what the general weather pattern is going to be. But when it comes to economics, you know, basically 15,000 economists in America and about five of them predicted the GFC. What have we learned since then? Absolutely nothing. The global Ponzi game is alive and well. The land game has gone through the roof in so many different nations. Self-reliant farmers were once recognised as the basis for a strong and independent country. But now a globalised world promotes instability. There's less resilience amongst communities, less connection. We're all stuck in front of screens and finding feedback, um, learning from people in different circles really has been limited. So we're, we're losing out there on that principle. Principle five, use and value resources. Well, that's a pretty uh, good one. In permaculture, for our power plants community nursery, we've organised a nice little system with our buddy Fix-It Frank. He uh, mows the lawn, brings us around, I don't know, four bags of grass clippings maybe each week. That then gets thrown in with the chooks. They poo on it, and over time those grass seeds die off. Uh, They then get thrown in with one of our four compost piles, And, uh, yeah, once every uh, week or so, I use my aerator to turn over those compost piles. Nearly break my back, but um, uh, that's that's the thing. Here I am uh, talking about this earth-based economics. And when it comes to our nursery, the most important thing we need is a free supply of dirt. But, gee, it's so easy to make. We grab some coffee grounds from uh, our buddies at the Six Grams Cafe and throw that in and it's just phenomenal when you turn the compost and see these 
cakes of coffee open up with just thousands of worms going crazy in there, having all sorts of fun. So, um, yeah, there's so much that can be better utilised in society. I never thought I'd be dumpster diving, but uh, there I am having a great time grabbing uh, lots of uh, lettuce and bok choy and anything else the fruiterer is throwing out and feeding that to the chooks. And, yeah, that's that's a productive use of um, the Earth's resources. What a pity in economics there's actually an incentive to waste our prime locations, our land, to hoard them. And they've become so valuable... It's profitable to waste them. And this is all because of the way we are governing society through the use of the tax system. If we change the taxes away from our work and place them on the holding time, the longer you hold a location, the more you would pay based on the the land valuation for that community at a set rate. And that then would encourage people to put those properties in the productive world rather than hoarding them for speculative means and this sort of supply manipulation goes on also in the world of diamonds uh, gold production and exploration virtually every resource on the planet there's a incentive to hoard those resources and keep a lid on the supply so number six produce no waste well Companion planting is a big one in permaculture. The marigold flowers attract the bees that pollinate the tomatoes whose waste their leaves and provide nutrients for the neighbouring basil and chives. Perhaps the smell from those basil and chives also deters some of the pesty little white flies that are eating through things. So abundance from one is the food for another. And in economics... I'd love to see this permanomics movement grow. This is closed-loop economics. That's what we're talking about. And the classic example is the energy of community is lost to higher land valuations, i.e. gentrification. The artists move into an area with cheap rents, a funky cafe, some uh, Banksy graffiti, and next thing you know, the wannabes come in. They've generally got higher incomes. That pushes the rents up. But, of course, before that... The speculators have been in there and bought up those locations and are just waiting for the community to to create a new Funkster hipster zone and they sell out for great profit. A land value tax uh, reduces this speculative incentive. A carbon tax, of course, is another important angle to this closed-loop economics to uh, uh, disincentivize pollution. We're basically giving away reverse property rights to the polluters. And now, with the sad state of our democracy, this lobbyocracy concept, yeah, our votes really mean little. Okay, well, that's uh, something. I better speed this process up. Uh, We're halfway through. They are the micro principles. And now we're going to look at the macro overview principles to permaculture and paraphrase them into permanomics. Um, Design from patterns to details. So this um, uh, looks at zone and sector planting and uh, getting those herbs in the right place, having the compost next to the chooks. Uh, So when you're cleaning out the chooks, you can throw it in nice and easily, da-da-da. But in economics, you've often heard of the statement, you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, we can't see the land for the houses. And so much of this is caused by the corruption of economics where 
most even critical economists look at the economic problems through the labor versus capital paradigm. This is just what the one percenters want because what we're talking about when we talk uh, land is all of the earth's resources and the natural monopolies which have the same sort of scarcity based principle so that's where the big money is so we need to step back to see the connectedness of nature in permaculture and in economics, we need to see this connectedness of scarcity through economics and how that delivers unearned income. All you need to do is have enough cash to buy the asset and you can sit and wait. As the famous statement goes, you don't have to do anything. You can let society develop all these permaculture gardens, community gardens, uh, build new train stations, new schools, any of those sort of things, add value to your community. It's then taken out of your community by these predators, these speculative predators, which come in and buy things up and basically spy on the development of communities and sell at the right time. If you don't believe me, go to a tax minimization for lawyers seminar. Stepping back to see the connectedness of nature has been hinted at before by a couple of important thinkers. One of them was Walter Burley Griffin, the Chicago-based architect who won the competition to design Canberra. Uh, he used to develop very insightful suburbs such as Castlecrag in New South Wales and Eaglemont here in Victoria where he would design the roads, the parks, uh, based around beautiful big old trees, the, the sloping of the hills, the waterways, and he would integrate with the natural surroundings rather than man's typical dominate type philosophy. So that was certainly something that was exciting. Walter Billy Griffin was also a Georgist. He understood that to create that connection between community, economics and energy, we needed a land value tax to capture and recycle uh, the natural advantages those who live near the river had just because of the actual fair share angle to it but also because of, of the long-term common sense angle that uh, if that was to occur the people living near the quarry wouldn't be jealous and uh, reduces some um, uh, pressures on the social contract. Another interesting person on this front was Ebenezer Howard's garden state movement which wanted to utilize nature to provide a self-sufficient society these were circular type communities where the use of cars was minimized where local food production was encouraged but unfortunately his movement had trouble financing itself as is so often the issue with many eco villages and intentional communities Principle number eight, integrate rather than segregate. Well, here we have chooks scratching under apple trees, their waste feeding the plants downhill, each element having numerous functions so that uh, the, this resilience is created and uh, the symbiotic relationships occur uh, rather than predatory and competitive relationships that white man has imposed on the world. 
So this is hard to do when uh, we have these leakages from our permaculture community gardens to these speculative pariahs that have a look. I wonder how many vacant blocks of land there are near your community garden. I wonder how hard it is for volunteers to get down there three or four times a week to keep those young plants growing, uh, to set up shade on these 44-degree days. So much hard work, but uh, uh, those volunteers aren't the one getting paid this bounty because people want to live near these beautiful community gardens. You know that. Well, let's close the loop and ensure those who live in the best locations pay a little bit more back to the community so we can get some financing to those permaculturalists. And in terms of highest and best use, uh, you know, we can't argue with this. Uh, people who do have higher incomes will be able to move to those areas. But if we have a, a closed loop system where there's better financing, this will help us generate more community gardens in more areas so that the drive to live in just one area is dissipated so that the locals who start these beautiful community spaces can actually exist there. Principle nine, use small and slow solutions. Slow and steady wins the race, that's important. We can't expect huge things from our gardens to begin with, but if we get the foundations right, if we work on a green coverage to, to build up the organic matter in our soils, uh, the long-term benefits come through. Well, in economics, what have we got? We've got this giant speculative race that leads to these boom busts and uh, it, it's driving society crazy because as we heard a few weeks ago from India and Dr. Navin Singh talking about all the doctors and, and manufacturers giving up and just heading into the real estate for ransom world because that's where they can earn 10, 15% per annum whilst they're playing golf. What we need to do is, is tax away these capital gains in real estate, tax away these gains in patent thickets and other forms of anti-competitive behaviour, and that will slow down the growth rate of these, these pack leaders, and from that, the rest of society doesn't have to chase so hard to keep up. The local milk bar owner doesn't have to uh, cut so many health and safety uh, corners, so the workers are safer. And in general, there'll be more incentive to do productive things. Why aren't the tax incentives being directed towards scientists in geothermal, in aquaculture, in solar, rather than all these handouts being given to those who already have capital who can buy and sell the earth? That is the core question. Principle 10, use and value diversity. Well, there's our gardening insurance plan. If uh, we've got different crops, we've got two or three of the same plants um, growing in different areas of the garden, if that's possible, we're planning for an insurance angle there. But in terms of diversity in our communities, diversity equals culture, which in today's age brings about these wannabes who want to live in these um, cultural hotspots and gentrification in shoes. So we need to slow down that process. We need to tax away those gains. So with less debt and less tax pressures, there'll be more room for art in every community. We all value the cultural diversity of ethnic groups like the Chinese in Clayton or the Africans in Sunshine, the Italians in Preston. Well, we need more of that so that uh, these hotspots are spread across society. 
we'd all have more time to enjoy these um, finer sides to life if land prices weren't so high, if mortgage prices weren't so high. Now, principle 11, use edges and value the marginal. Well, there we have uh, the need for edgy elements, create productivity and innovation rather than taking the well-beaten path. I love this principle. This is what we need uh, in permaculture. Uh, boosting the yield is, um, is greatly assisted by planting out right to the very edge of your garden bed. Even within the walkways here and there, you can grow food that is useful. That's what's important. That's what society should be encouraged to do. But uh, as we've heard already, it's all about waste. So in terms of Georgia's economics, this is one of the most complex elements is the law of rent. And what this talks about is that wages are set through opportunity cost. If I can live on the margins of land, on the outskirts of a community, perhaps using the internet, selling my wares that way, if the wages I can earn from that are at $25 an hour and more and more people do it, well, then the businesses in the centre of town are going to have to offer $25 an hour or else more and more people are going to leave their, their work. And in a way, we're seeing the high land prices and the need for young families to spend some two, two and a half thousand dollars a month on their mortgage as defining where people are working. And this is something that is undermining our manufacturing process here in Australia and killing off our export capabilities. So it's a very important concept. I encourage you to look more into it. But uh, at the present moment, the fencing locks up the land. So uh, we're forced to live further and further away from the jobs. If we could just knock down these fences using land value tax, uh, we could create our own business with less tax paperwork and life would be so much easier. All right. um, The 12th point, creatively use and respond to change. Well, there we go. That's what's needed. How can we adapt here in Melbourne with the fact we've got less rain? We've got these hot days. Maybe the plants are going to be growing, uh, are going to be more indigenous plants. The old bush tucker from our Aboriginal friends. What about in economics? It's very hard to respond to change when we have these huge mortgages and work under a good boss is so hard to find. So one of the limitations to moving is stamp duty, where the average person who wants to do something good for the environment and move closer to their work has to pay about $20,000, $25,000 upfront added to their mortgage, which adds probably $70,000, $80,000 to their interest charges over the lifetime of their mortgage. This is not the sort of flexible world we need If we were paying a land value tax, your mortgage would only be for the house and the land value tax would cover 70% of your current mortgage. So you'd have about a 70% saving of of interest over the lifetime of your loan. And this LVT would finance a removal of stamp duty. So it was much easier to be able to move around. You had less debt and housing would be overall a lot cheaper. So yeah, there's a lot more that I could go into here. I'm really battling to get this under 30 minutes. But permanomics, you've heard me talk about the closed loops economic side to it. I look forward to developing this concept in more detail in the future. 
I thank you for your attention and uh, hope you can say hello on Twitter at Earthsharing, on Facebook under Real Estate for Ransom or Earthsharing. It's always fun to hear from people. My name's Carl Fitzgerald and this has been our Permanomics special here on The Renegade Economist on 3CR.